Greetings, I'm Tyler, and this is The Socialized Recluse. My guest this time is someone I've wanted to talk with since the, since the very conception of this show, the director, game designer, and photographer, Liam Wong. And, you know, while his game credits are, you know, legion, at 25, he became the youngest director at Ubisoft with his work on Far Cry 4. I wanted to talk to him about his now years-long fueling of my addiction for cities at night through his photography via not only his must-follow 223,000-follower strong Instagram feed, but his two books of night photography, The Sublime Tokyo and the just-released follow-up, After Dark, a, quote, cinematic exploration of cities after midnight. So over the next hour or so, Liam and I just explore how his work in video games shaped how he sees the world through a camera lens, how photography went from being an intriguing side project to an all-consuming obsession and essential fuel to sustain him through the years-long process of game making, and the importance of being able to provide that same creative spark for others whenever possible. As ever, if you'd like to shout, scream, swear, say hi, or otherwise, my email is TWW at parentheticalrecluse.com. One of the things that immediately like struck me, um, yeah, I think it was in Tokyo when I first opened that up, was that mm-hmm. you said when you started experimenting with photography, it wasn't obvious that your artistic background would cross over with it. Yeah. Um, but that, like, once it sort of became clear, the floodgates opened. Uh, so I, I, I want to start with just a two-parter then. So what was your original intent with photography? Okay. And then the second part is, what was that, you know, aha moment? You know, that... Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, when I think back to when I... The reason I got into photography was to learn more about graphic design. Okay. So my background... I mean, maybe it gets covered, but, you know, I'm I'm a self-taught graphic designer. I grew up on the internet. I grew up on sites like DeviantArt, Mm -hmm. uh, RazorArt, Wasted Youth. There were these communities that were for artists to kind of uh, explore their art in the early, what have you been, 2000s. Um, And from there, I was always into digital art and things. But yeah, when it came to learning photography, I just never did it. And... My dad always did it when I was a kid, like growing up. And I, it was something I thought about much later in life. But when I started, it really came from that curiosity that, you know, thinking, oh, well, I love the feeling of capturing these visual diaries and then trying to, I don't know, just capture the things I was seeing. It was like pretty much a visual blog. So yeah, with photography, it was something over time that just as I was like, getting into it I just became obsessed with it I had a private Instagram for like a long time I think about two years where I think at the time this would have been what 20 2014 okay and I really got into just using my photography like uh, my iPhone at the time and finding very clean compositions it was almost like a meme back then of you know, looking at someone's feed and thinking, oh, that's the standard of what is there. Why don't I try and replicate that and trying to channel my own interests into that? This became like, you know, I think I had like 100 followers, like people from my work, private Instagram, maybe people from university, things like that. And I was just trying to get it all, 
like quite a nice little feed. You go on it and you go, oh, this guy likes photos. That's cool. Good for him type thing. <laughs> uh, and the big one was obviously when I went to Japan. Like I'm from Scotland and I grew up. I hardly ever left uh, Scotland, mm-hmm. um, maybe on some family vacations type thing. And when I finally left, the main places I went to would have been London and Paris by myself. And those were very, you know, eye-opening things for someone that... Have you been to Edinburgh at all in Scotland? I have not, no. Okay, so the weird thing, when you describe it and you say, yeah, there's a castle on a rock in the middle of town, (laughs) it sounds like kind of crazy. And you don't appreciate that. And I'm sure it's the same for where you're from. There's things that are around you that you don't think any different of because it's your every day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was, um, I never appreciated it till I really moved away. But for big cities like metropolises, like London and Paris, they were huge, like massively different. You had all of the, the history of those buildings, the architecture, and just me and my phone and I was just thinking oh I like this I like this composition I like this I like that and from my background in game video games they take forever to make and I I just felt this release of creativity that I hadn't felt before Mm -hmm. and that was purely from just my phone um the big like the big crystallizing moment was going to Japan that was 2014 the end of 2014 um and I leveled up to a like a pocket camera. It was a Sony RX100. And this was like during the, after the release of like Far Cry 4 and stuff. Was that like when you first went? Yeah. So yeah, okay. it was funny because I'm like pretty, yeah, I'm like an introvert. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I do not know why, but they were like, hey, do you want to go to Japan and do a director's tour of this game? And I was like, <laughs> well, I can't say no. Right. Um, and I think the other option was Brazil at the time and that didn't go ahead. So I ended up in Japan only because the other directors were very busy. Um, and that was wild. And that really got me into, I don't know, just looking at looking through uh, a viewfinder and just capturing things and then feeling the confidence to be like, oh, I like this one. I'll share this one. Um, and I, I don't know, even in that close friend circle, I had people say, oh, these are really cool. You should keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I saved up all my vacations. Didn't travel anywhere. I saved up all my money. And I saved up for a camera. And that was kind of the start of it. <laughs> so I, I want to stick with your your background a bit because mm. um, prep has sort of – the prep for this has sent me on this like awesome mission to look through your confluence of inspirations. And so like mm-hmm. my, my, my to-watch list now is like brimming with Liam influences that I okay. that I haven't gotten to watch yet. But, but I want to kind of, you know, see where – you came from in a you know in what you consume and what you you watched and so, I mean mm. I've gone on an anime binge you know I got to rewatch Akira and Ghost in the Shell and mm-hmm. um, picked up that uh, the anime architecture book which is stunning that's oh, a beautiful book oh my god that's amazing um, and then you got me thinking about what went I'm, to the hmm? the ex, there was an Akira exhibition run by Stefan okay who made that book in Berlin. Oh, wow. And that was incredible. Oh, Getting I'm to sure. To see the real pieces in person. I can only imagine. And also that. just seeing this, how small they were, and then seeing what an impact that made in, in that industry is wild. Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, you even, you know, just in the book, you get that sense of just that seismic shift yeah. that Akira really was. Um, but, you know, you, you also got me thinking about one of my favorite movies, which is Collateral. And mm. which is which is for my money, along with I think you know, in the mood for love, or you know, basically any Michael Mann or Wong Kar Wai is my favorite yeah. capturing of a city at night on film. Absolutely. Um, and then I even replayed things like Mirror's Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, now I hadn't played that since it came out, and I still love it. It still pisses me off. I get so mad. At that, <laughs> I get so mad at that game. Uh, the gameplay is yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit dodgy, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. know, it. Um, I, I still got that, like, I don't know if you experienced when you first played it, but you get, every time you go to make that jump, you sort of get that clutch in your gut. Mm-hmm. And I, so it's a long-winded way, though, of getting to my actual okay. question here, which mm-hmm. is how has those, how has your relationship with those inspirations changed since you started your, your journey into photography? So you mentioned Mirror's Edge. Yep. So I was, I was at university when Mirror's Edge came out. Mm-hmm. I was finishing like my final year, and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I was doing a digital art degree, um, and towards the end of that, I realized I wanted to make video games. I think it was maybe a year after I graduated, I spoke to Dice, who were working at, then at the time on Mirror's Edge 2. Okay. And the Mirror's Edge art director had seen my work so it's quite private but I put a lot of effort into my interviews and things Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking back like wow this is incredible because I did like a a final year dissertation or something where I focused on the art direction of Mirror's Edge as part of a wider thing but I was always blown away by it and it's something that inspired me to become an art director Um, and at some point I had the opportunity to do and I didn't take it to go and work in like Stockholm and Dice, or the developer, like one of my favorites, I always wasted <laughs> wasted a lot of time <laughs> playing the games. Um, but when I think about, yeah, when I got into photography, I think what was interesting is that a lot of people in games were finding my stuff. Whereas before, even though I had advanced quite quickly and quite high up, I didn't I, th- I would say a lot of people didn't know who I was. And, and you, were, I into photography. you were what like the youngest artistic director on yeah on far i, so, I mean you were what like tw- at ubisoft uh, yeah. 25 25 yeah. okay yeah so you moved up it quickly was like rapid. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i mean there was what a couple years then where you weren't at university and then you do artistic art yeah director. exactly yeah wow that was like quite that was like in the deep end oh i'm sure that was just push you off the diving board and but i think yeah when i think specifically about photography so I worked in games, and I, I think by the time my photography picked up, it must have been about four years into, into video games. Okay. From 2000, or maybe a bit more, actually. 2000 and I think 10, end of 2010, I joined the games industry. I joined Ubisoft 2013. Mm-hmm. And then my photographs took up like 2015. So let's say it was like five years or something. In those five years, I never really... You know, I connected with people I knew, and I go to networking events and all of that. But it was, yeah, it was when the photography stuff picked up. People were like, oh, wow, this photographer I know. <laughs> and then people would be like, oh yeah, no, he actually works in video games. And they'd be like, oh wow, I didn't know that. And so now 
I'm at a point in my career where people don't know I work in video games, even now, <laughs> where I'll put it out there and they'll be like, oh, that's cool. You, you know, work with this company. I'm like, yeah, that's like my bread and butter. It's not like, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a weird thing that when I think about what that added to my skill set, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it brought a lot in that I just didn't expect mm-hmm. when I was just walking around just taking iPhone pictures. Right. And how that evolved. Take me through like one of your your shoots as you know, so mm-hmm. when you're, you know, out and about, I mean, do you go with a specific goal in mind? I mean, not necessarily like a specific shot, but more yeah. like a technical aspect or a location goal or a mood. Or is it sort of this combination of, you know, kismet and happenstance? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm quite organized okay. when it comes to what it is I want to capture. Okay. Um, I try and think about if someone was listening to this and they hadn't seen my work or anything like that. I think about, okay, let's take the example of Mirror's Edge. Okay. The reason I wanted to become an art director is because the visual style of Mirror's Edge was so unique mm-hmm. that you could take a screenshot of any part of this game and every single person would know that that was that game. Yeah. And I think that comes down to, you know, the content of what's in this shot. So the architecture was like very clean, the way that it was lit, um, the colors that were used, the character design, concept art, all everything kind of balances comes together. And even the music mm-hmm. came in, it was very unique. And so you have the look and feel. And <clears throat> that's something I've always thought about with my photography. So when you say, yeah, I never thought about that crossover. It's only because photography has such a, it's quite gatekeeping. Uh, everything you take a photo of has to be as is. And I think when I started, I I tried to find people that weren't doing just that. I was trying to find people that were maybe a bit more artistic in their approach um, and how to balance that. So when I think of a video game and the visual style of something like Mirror's Edge, and I think about how the architecture and the music and the color, you know, the color palette, uh, even just the graphic design, everything that's in those environments makes up what that game is. So mm-hmm. when I think about going out on a night for photography, I already have a clear idea of what I want to channel, I guess. There are certain elements I always think about, like if it's raining, I'm obviously, like I love taking pictures in the rain just because it's usually a time where people are hurrying to go somewhere else. Hmm. So if it's raining, I'm already inspired and I'm already thinking, right, it's raining, so it's a great time for me. I can get reflections. I'm at nighttime. It's after midnight. And then I'm trying to think, okay, what would be a great backdrop? Um, I think the thing with video games, I think, yeah, there was some, someone asked me recently, what's like my favorite shot that I've taken recently? And it was at the Zaha Hadid building in Seoul. It's like the Dong Daedum Design Plaza. And so Zaha Hadid, the architect, I think, yeah, she passed away, but her company, she was a British, I can't remember the other side of her, but a British architect. She was like mixed British, mixed something else. The amount of video games that I played that referenced her work as an (laughs) architect was unreal. Games like Halo, games, I don't know, hmm. I worked on Cry- Crisis. They had all of her work in the mood boards. Um, and I was like, right, 
if it's a rainy night in Seoul, and I know it's going to be empty, there's nowhere I'm going to be other than this Zaha Hadid building, which is like a, described as a neo-futuristic building, um, which already sounds great. <laughs> and as someone that's kind of interested in sci-fi and all of this, I was like, there, yeah, there's nowhere I'd love to be than seeing that empty and witnessing this structure by myself. And I have like little iPhone snippets where it's, there's like thunder and lightning and there's just no one there. I think you get, there was like a couple that passed under it. And it's one of the shots that I put in my book, but yeah, it was, I, when, when you say like, okay, you didn't think about the crossover, like, yeah, I think as soon as I thought about the crossover, I start to think a bit differently. And I think about, okay, what would feel quite surreal is to go to this gigantic structure and see nobody other than like one, two people. Mm-hmm. And the only way to achieve that would be at like three, four in the morning. The rain definitely scares people away. And I, I think that's what the image comes down to. So there's like a lot of patience there, but yeah, my approach is definitely how can I get the shot that I want that I see in my head. And I think that kind of describes my approach of like, okay, I have a clear idea of the main landmarks and the most exciting structures. I also go on Google Maps where I'll go on Street View and I'll try and think about, I'll try and find like vistas, like it's quite a video game thing of like, you know, a cool vantage point, an interesting backdrop, a cool alleyway that's lit in a certain way. I would just go around uh, Google Maps and try and find things, but I have a very clear hit list of structures. I think it all comes down to architecture. Okay. I, I want to bring up your, you know, love of rain because you talk about it in mm. in in both books. Um, and I, I think it's an after dark. You call yourself a full fledged pluviophile, and you know that you've tried yeah. to you you're, that you keep trying to get better at capturing the feeling of mm-hmm. rain. So, what is the feeling of rain? to you when i think of rain i think of music and i think of different songs that i might listen to i think i think when i think okay so when i worked in video games i worked on visual style and visual identity okay when i think about how that crossed over into photography at the time that i got into it there were a lot of like subcultures i would say that were very in vogue Mm -hmm. um and kind of topics, things like synthwave. There was like sad posting from Tumblr. There was um, like the whole lo-fi kind of movement. And to me, all of that goes back to music. That's why something like the movie Drive yes. um, where it had such a strong soundtrack and how that changed how, I don't know, how films could use soundtracks to elevate the visuals and elevate like a feeling that goes beyond just a however long it was, an hour and a half, I don't know. Um, so yeah, for me, it's when I think about rain, there's a third, there's a few things that go for like, uh, you know, go without saying. So like I said before, people are always in a hurry to go away. So as a street photographer, it's something where I think, okay, I have a bit of peace of mind and there's, there's certain layers to that. Um, when it's raining and I've got all my expensive ass equipment with me, <laughs> I tend not to have to worry about someone turning up behind me and trying to have a go. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's an element of safety there. Uh, also, I kind of capture more the anonymous side. I try not to point a lens in someone's face without their permission. Um, and I think with that, it becomes like, 
the perfect moment for it because people are hurrying away. When I think about music, I'm often have I have my earphones in, I'm just kind of rifting off things. I think of something like there's a song called Acid Rain by Lauren, L-O-R-N. Um, it was used in a video game trailer for the last night. I think it was Acid Rain. Uh, I, th I just think of music like that, that have a certain vibe that hone in on, you know, it could be loneliness, it could be this dark feeling. And I try to channel that through the images that I'm capturing. So it's almost like I'm, I don't know, they're like vignettes that go with the music. Okay. No, I, I, I do. Do you sometimes go for like a, sometimes a harmonization with the music or sometimes with a dissonance with the music? I think, yeah. I mean, in both of my books, I pretty much named a lot of them after songs. And it's mm -hmm. kind of that feeling that reinforces it. Like I used to have a lot of, I think I took them off my highlights, but on my Instagram, I used to keep a lot of stories. Um, I had a lot of video snippets where I put music over the top because I like that kind of look and feel. Like, what does this song sound like? Um, and that kind of harmony between the two. But yeah, I think with, I guess to go back to your original question is like, yeah, I think when it came to rain, it, when I, yeah, I think about my first book and how the fact that it rained most of those images that I had the very first wave were all taken on the same night. There's actually like no exaggeration there. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I remember looking back at like a weather forecast to like double check that they were all taken that time. It didn't <laughs> rain outside of that. And it was true. I think it was something like 16th of December or something 15th or 16th. And okay. it was 2015. Um, and yeah, I went around all these different places, took a bunch of shots, and I honestly had like a lot of luck on my side um, to be able to channel that. And I know you collect like a lot of books. And mm -hmm. I, yeah, there's something I would have mentioned before, which was like the Sid Mead yep. uh, chronologue, which I found, I think it was like Jim, just called a place called Jim Bocho, which is uh, it was like an old book district. Okay. But it was Sid Mead's chronologue. And it was at that point where I had like all my upbringing of just messing around in Photoshop. I'd go on DeviantArt and I would just do these kind of photo manipulations where I would use other people's photographs and push them into kind of surreal takes. Um, they're probably still on DeviantArt still. I know they are still on DeviantArt actually. I just never shared my username. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things of like, I don't know, I felt really inspired to kind of push them in a way that maybe looked like concept art or was absolutely not the original photo. Hmm. Um, and it's not that yeah, other people weren't doing this at the time. They absolutely were. But I think it's more the journey over time of, of evolving that style. It, it was just what was interesting you in that moment and yeah, that you wanted just, to explore. Yeah, everything kind of aligned. And it was just that, um, yeah, just that feeling of, okay, I'm having fun with this. Yeah. And in, in a way that I never felt before. Fun for its own sake. Yeah. Yeah. Like very, you know, just like a nice creative release, release, like being able to put something out there and just not care. And also how quickly I was able to do it, it just felt really rewarding. That has always been for me with writing, you know, it can be such a slog, but with, you know, smaller things I write, this show, 
cooking, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is that you get that sort of immediate thing out. You know, you just have yeah. fun with it and that's it. Um, and, and that is freeing. That's as exciting to me as any major project I'm working on. Um, so I, I, I want to kind of bring up – it's a good segue because you talked about, you know, manipulating photos of others and, and stuff like that in Photoshop and doing weird things with them. And you you really embrace others using your photographs, you know, for personal art yeah. studies and work. And you actually even – you bring it out even in the intro, I think, to, to After Dark. And I yeah, love so and I and I love your approach. I love that approach. Um, and my, I guess my question though is, what is your reasoning for it? Other than people are going to do it, so you <laughs> might as well d- just roll with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think back to my first book, but more so the series. When I put these, you got to think I well, say I had like five hundred followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. 2015 something like this and I put my images up and suddenly it got a lot of traction but with that traction came people stealing the images and Uh putting them on everything you can ever imagine (laughs) from huge billboards in Taiwan and Hong Kong to phone cases to posters to advertising campaigns I was in Tokyo one time and I just saw it printed out on a shop in Harajuku and I was like well that's kind of crazy holy shit yeah, wow. And yeah, it doesn't stop there. You get Amazon, all this. Oh, People yeah. People just steal stuff yeah. to make a profit. And at the time, I was really kind of butthurt about it because I was like, well, you know what? These are my holiday photographs and you wouldn't go and steal a picture of my mom on the beach. So why why is it okay to steal those, even if they're like aesthetic and things? And I used to get really annoyed about it. And then at some point I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore because at some point, People would tell me if they saw it, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I would just never do anything about it. I think sometimes I would send something just to kind of spook them a little bit, but I just don't have the patience. <laughs> so what that comes down to is just like, you know what? If people are going to do that, I would rather then encourage people who are actually creating something new and doing their own take on it. And I think that became... It was quite different to the kind of people I followed at the time who were very much against it. Like, do not ever re, I don't know, reimagine my works. Do not ever repost, reshare, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, it was only, I was still working in video games. And the thing I loved about video games is that people would have different takes on characters, things like cosplayers, um, how people would just really take on the character, everything they wore down to the minute detail and reproduce it and I thought that was always something cool and it's something I always saw help with the the video games that were being made and create exposure and I think with my work it's been wild over the years because I see I was thinking of one in particular and it was like a nail nail art this was like nail polish someone did some nail polish inspired like it was very cool used the color palette from one of my images and then on the extreme side of that you have I think there was like people who'd done like a couple different things and tagged me in them. And in between that, you have like artists and illustrators all creating art studies. I think what changed when I think about After Dark is something I wanted to make sure was in the book because people can find a book on a bookshelf and have never heard of your work. They can stumble on it the same way that I would have stumbled on someone else's work. 
and it's a very like physical thing and like that kind of realization it might spark someone else's creativity and i think that's the only reason i want to be an artist <laughs> it's just <laughs> that it's like that i think of everyone inspires me and i think that feeling that thinking of like something you read or you saw or something where you're like oh shit i have an idea and i want to roll with that and i think that's something that's like untouchable mm-hmm. and so with the new book i just really wanted to embrace that where i said and i say on twitter i have like you know if you're an artist and you want to create something like a color study or something like that you know feel free i'm not going to do some copyright strike i'm not going to sue you there's been people that have wanted to then sell what they made and i've not really had issues so long as they told me and i think it's mm-hmm. fine people made crazy oil paintings and like what yeah some of them are amazing that you've shared yeah yeah i I just yeah i think creativity you can't like put a cap on it like occasionally i'll just randomly get someone to tag me in something i'm like wow that's wild i never thought when i was sat there getting soaked in a (laughs) monsoon that someone would then (laughs) makes you know i think even random things like someone you know like stitching like cross-stitching something that I create is kind of mental. Yeah, it must be absolutely surreal just to to have that. Yeah, and I think especially after the pandemic, because Mm. the pandemic, you have to think two, three years of creatives just thinking, well, everything I was creating before is now meaningless. Like, it just doesn't hold the same. I imagine a musician who's maybe writing about a certain feeling that Mm. is now no longer felt like your work is then pushed aside because you're like well it's not current and it's not you know on trend or something and so during that period especially i was like yeah if you're if you've got a creative block and you just want to trace something you want to color study like a photo bash or a, i don't know something like feel free to do it. i'm not gonna have a go yeah but it just felt like the right thing to just encourage people because I, I think back to yeah when I was younger and I think every artist I know went through a period where people were like well you can't do art because there's no money in that and the amount of people that would drop out because of that is sad some of the greatest artists you probably will never ever know because they quit mm-hmm. is yeah it's sad yeah, I just it was something I just put in the start of the book. So it's like, yeah, if someone randomly finds it, never heard of me, mm-hmm. they might think, oh, well, yeah, I'm just going to pick up a piece of paper. I'm going to pick up a pen and just do something. I think that's, it was really after the pandemic. I say after as if it's finished. I don't know anything, <laughs> no. Anyway, but, you know, during that period, it was a very heavy period on creatives. Mm-hmm. You have to think, yeah. well, look, I have to put food on the table and I need to get a job and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was like a very, you know, it was a difficult period for everyone. So it was just a way to confirm it to somebody that might open it up randomly and just be like, oh, I'm going to make something. You wanted to give them that spark. Yeah. They give them something because they're seeing pretty much the same thing all the time. Yeah, I think, all right, because if you think you're a photographer, right, Mm -hmm. and you're in the middle of nowhere, like, what is going to inspire you to go out and take pictures if you're, Mm -hmm. you live in the countryside, and there's nothing that you think is going to inspire you? Like, I don't know, it's... 
It's, it's funny you might say that because my dad was a photojournalist. And so okay, well. I grew up going on shoots with him out mm-hmm. in the country and, and like learning how to see things in different ways, how to convey what you're seeing to others. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what I try and do with my writing. Um, that's what I'm sure you, you, have, you, you have two books. You have more. Uh, I have two nonfiction like ones. Or something. Huh? <laughs> I was like, you're going to say like a hundred or something. Yeah, yeah. The 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 other six hundred ninety nine of them aren't that yeah. great. So yeah, the other two <laughs> are the ones that I leave it. No, I I do. I have two. Like, well, I have one that was traditionally published, and that came out. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that came out ten years ago. So now I really feel okay, old. Well. Um, but. And then I have a couple other, uh, like, small ones. But mostly now I've been working in just doing, like, short handmade zines and mm. just enjoying myself writing whatever comes out. I really uh, like it because I bought, like, a bunch of zines, mm-hmm. like, photography ones. Um, it would have been at the start of the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. I was really curious about, like, what was being made. And it is a fascinating world. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the the what I'm finding for me is that I found that my writing has sort of become pictureless comic books in how I mm-hmm. think about them, and so you know now when I do because I try and put one, uh, like two out a year. Okay. Um, I, I actually I actually called the zine press A to start. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, which I think that hit me while I was playing Far Cry Six. So, <laughs> um, so anyhow, um, yeah, no, it it, but it's just been really freeing because a, it helps me to not think of form when I conceive yeah. of a story, and b, it shows me, it lets me play with the physicality of it and manipulate mm-hmm. it in a way because I don't release these digitally. Um, you know, it's like, it's for new le- newsletter subscribers. Physical. Huh? Okay. It's only physical or what? Yeah. Um, okay. I put the things together myself in my office and send them out to newsletter subscribers if they want them. Hmm. And it's just been so tremendously freeing, um, to do it that way. But yeah, no, it, it, but it has been sort of this just over the pandemic and all of this, it has been this sort of finding this different, you know, creative spark. And, you know, seeing, you know, you, you so willingly sharing that, you know, for other people has just been awesome. Yeah. It's it's like a weird one. Honestly, in the last year, I just didn't feel like using social media. I can understand that. Um, And yeah, I think a straight year period, I think definitely my Instagram. I love Instagram stories. I love being able to Mm -hmm. engage, interact with people that reply to my things. I really like that. I think when I think of Instagram and even like Twitter, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel like something I wanted to engage in. Yeah, you were gone for like a year. I remember that. Yeah, legit. And then, you know, there was also the book and there was, there's other things you think about. So like releasing a book, especially a crowdfund during a pandemic, that's just not, (laughs) not nice. Cause you're on one side, you're like, I want this to work, but I also don't want people going out of their way to put money down on this that they might not have yeah it was just honestly i just felt like okay because of that i just didn't want to be around until it was out and when it was out i wanted to be 
confident that people would be happy with the Monday they put down. I want to jump back into your photography here because mm. there was something you said in After Dark that I I was fascinated by and I did I wanted to learn more about was that you said you want to capture more things in camera. Yeah. And so um, how are you going about that? I mean, like, what is the, how has your process shifted as you sort of moved in that direction? So when I, I think back to maybe someone that has got two books okay. and they might have seen my first one when it came out and they've now got the second one. Mm-hmm. When I reflect on the work, I can see the improvements, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an art director, so I kind of criticize what's there. Sure. And I think, okay, what are the improvements? What needs to be improved? Like, what is, where are we at? Where does it need to be? That's always my mentality. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the first book, it was quite big. It was a lot bigger than my second book in terms of page count. Yeah. And with page count comes number of images. And with number of images to release, I, I don't know, I've been doing photography, what, seven years or something now. Um which is a short, short time to make two books in. You know, you have photographers yeah. that would work 10 years and make one, maybe a, some zines type thing. Yep. And so with that comes, okay, well, what, what was like filler and like filler content and being subjective, the right word? Like basically looking mm-hmm. at it and reviewing it, but okay, what would I just cut out of this first book and how would that improve it? Um, so, yeah, I just I just tried to think about what can I improve upon. Sorry, go back to your original question. Did yeah, no, you like reword it? Because uh, I have like a clear idea of like what is. No, yeah. you were doing fine. I, I I mean, do you want me to? I don't even know how to reword it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, I guess it's it's okay. You're saying you you want to improve. You, like any artist, you want to continually improve. Yeah. And add things to your palette and your toolbox mm-hmm. and all of that. So I guess my the way I'm seeing the or hearing the question is you know how you know is there any like specific changes you are making now? Okay. Yeah. To get right, you towards so, that. Yeah, right. So when I think back to my first book, my you know, your tastes change over time. Sure. Yeah. At the time, I was thinking, you know, I'm inspired by a lot of things, let's say, in the cyberpunk genre. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of getting recognition from that. It also, at the same time, made me take a step back from it. Because for me, and it was something I'd mentioned recently, it was someone asked me straight up, and I was like, well, Cyberpunk as a genre has a lot of discourse around it. For me, as someone that grew up like mixed, um, you know, like East meets East meets West, I was really, I felt kind of like that's my thing. Like that's something I was inspired by. Mm-hmm. And so when I think then about how over-edited some of my photographs were, I almost cringe a little bit. Um, which to most people who bought the book, they probably didn't pick up on it. But, you know, it's like trying to create something that is, just feels a little bit more surreal that makes someone take a double two, double, yep. uh, do a double take. Gotcha. However, with my new book, like, 
And at the very start of the conversation, you mentioned something like collateral. Yeah. Um, so Michael Mann films, what I loved about something like Heat, and it's something everyone says, like the main character was what? L.A., like mm-hmm. the environment, the city. The way that it's captured, I'm sure it's all done on film, just has that feel. In terms of like the color grading, what's there is just dictated by the film stock. Um, but they did a great job of capturing the night and how that felt. Mm-hmm. Then when you look at something like Collateral, same thing. The, you know, I grew up watching Tom Cruise films, but most of them I'm like, oh yeah, okay, they're great. It's, it's interesting, it's funny, but Collateral, I was like, wow, this feels different. This yeah. feels, um, and Jamie Foxx as well. But there was also the overall feeling. Like I loved how, you know, thing when you think about the images in it, they had a kind of simple tint. Yeah. And it would have been like, I guess, inspired by film or it was filmed like that. Mm. Heat feels a bit more blue. Collateral feels a bit more green. And I love that simplicity because what you're looking at is the content of the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, with my first book, my thinking when I look back at it and reflect on it is that the content could have been anything, but the color grading is what made it, which I don't like in <laughs> retrospect. With the second book, I wanted to make sure the content was solid and the color grading was secondary. And that came from really studying people like Roger Deakins. Um, I I um, definitely saw, you know, his stuff in Skyfall in some of your, in your, yeah. Yep. But yeah, it's just that thinking, you know, I really changed my inspirations. I think my inspirations at the start, like, um, it still would have been like things like novels and anime and manga and mm-hmm. video games. But with the second book, it's definitely more film oriented. I don't mean to plug the book, but I, I think. No, go ahead. <laughs> straight out of camera. And I think capturing. I had a tweet that I put up the other day, but I deleted it. because I was like, actually, I'm going to save this for my stories. <laughs> I have a shot that I took in Shinjuku station. And there was a woman that was walking down the subway. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, it would be cool to go to different cities and capture a similar shot that kind of, you felt the vibe of the city through the images, whether that's the color, the composition, and the signage, because I'm a graphic designer. I have shots of Rome, where I don't even speak Italian, but I'm sure it's like us, Gita, or something. I think it means exit. And I had the London one, which was like a Piccadilly, I don't know, Piccadilly Circus, something like this. I had a soul one where this guy sat at the bottom of this um, subway waiting for the gates to open because it was that late. Um, And I think about how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And there was one movie that I saw that had Winona Ryder and it was about, I think it was taxi drivers or something, different parts of the world and how they interconnected. But it's that feeling of like, okay, I want to take a simple concept. So take the concept of subways. Now imagine different cities that I happened to visit. Um, like when I put on Twitter, it was like, I had Poland, Warsaw, I had London, I had Seoul, and I had Tokyo. Now four of those side by side, where someone at a glance scrolling through their feed might think they're all in the same place. Mm-hmm. But at second look, you think, oh, wow, the language is different because of the signage. Um, and all of the images I captured were straight out of camera. And it was a kind of an advance upon 
I could take any any image and change the colors color color palette because I know Photoshop just like anyone knows Photoshop type thing. But it was more like a personal win of like okay, when I look at movies like Collateral and Heat, and when I look at I don't know other things I'm inspired by, what would their approach be? And it sometimes it can be as simple as color temperature, but when you look at the image, what is in the frame and what is not in the frame? And that was something I learned from Roger Deakins, which hmm. his podcast is fucking amazing. I'll have to give had, that a listen then. Yeah. It's called the Team Deacons Podcast. Okay. I, I think it was on Spotify and Apple and all of this. But they had directors, they have actors, um, they'll talk about their journey, and it's super inspiring. But for me, there was one episode he just talks about when you're doing cinematography, uh, you know, everything is constructed. And I think when it's photography, he was saying it was just what you leave out of the frame is almost just as important. Mm -hmm. Now, when as a photographer, and I guess, you know, if your dad was a film journalist, film, I'm sorry, photojournalist, mm -hmm. uh, it was... Yeah, it's, it's that idea of like, you know that anything you leave out the frame also tells a story, but everything that's in the frame has the same effect. Hmm. And things as a photographer, a street photographer, things that you kind of subtract from that frame help. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? To me, it's like visual clarity. If I okay. can have a silhouette that's docked inside a scene, um, there's certain things I did to kind of elevate it. I had like a flash mm -hmm. and I have a colored gel over the top where I can bounce light and introduce color into a scene that wasn't there instead of editing it. And with that comes, you know, there's a bit more truth to what is portrayed. Um, so it's just this constant journey to get to the truth. I think so. And that, that's only something that when I think about when it comes to, street photography i remember it would have been a couple of years ago three few years ago or something someone's like yeah but you're not really a street photographer and i was like well what what equates like what equals a street photographer should i take a a picture of someone's face that has you know some hdr thing that's clearly like they're on the street and then blah 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 or is it like a picture of i don't know like to me street photography i'm on a street and i'm taking photos some people's uh, description of what street photography would be would be, you know, there's different different elements depending on which part of the world yeah, you're yeah. in. But it could be, some people focus on the people. They focus on objects. They focus on. To me, I'm a bit of architecture and people, and less so on the faces, but more on the silhouettes. But mm -hmm. I like that kind of standoffish, mysterious kind of feeling, and that comes more from like Wong Kar Wai. Inspirations. So we we are uh, heading towards the end here. Um, okay. But I I, I wanted to in, invert something that you said at the beginning of the first mm -hmm. book, which is that video games shape the way I view the world through a lens. How has mm -hmm. viewing the world through a lens shaped your video games? When I think back to when I became a director, it was very much like out of my element. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to, you know, you do a lot of fakery to be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Really, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you actually, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. Um, and at the time, I remember I moved country. I'd never even visited Canada or Montreal. 
and I took the job and I turned up and on the top of my head, I just felt like there was a, a target that just said, yeah, fucking fire this guy. But it, it never happened. <laughs> Looking for but the excuses. The, yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember just thinking, okay, I'm going to definitely get kicked off at some point, but I'll do it for the experience. So anyway, when I got into photography, it gave me a lot more confidence in my ability specifically for style and I think about everything I learned from video games and how I was able to bring that back into photography to help elevate that and you know my goal when I got into photography and when it started picking up was I would love to develop a visual style that where someone sees an image and they think of my work um, just like you would for Mirror's Edge mm -hmm. the video game and that was always my goal. And yeah, I think I achieved that. Then from there, everything I learned, and it came from a lot of like confidence, and, you know, from directing people, from being behind a camera, there was like fashion shoots, there was portraiture, there was things I'd never done, never even thought about. Mm -hmm. But when the opportunities arised, I was able to learn on the spot, just in the same way that when I fucked off from the UK and I went to Canada to be a director I was kind of like yeah this is absolutely out of my element and probably the best place for me to learn yeah, that uh, that really sounds like that should be the sorry that really sounds like it should be the title of something I fucked off to Canada <laughs> yeah yeah I fucked off to Canada <laughs> I took a risk and it paid off and yeah yeah I feel like it's like there's layers to it where I don't know I feel like as a creative at some point you are you reach a plateau and you think, okay, yep. I've got to where I am and I could exist here for, until the end of time. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be like a career. It could be whatever it is you're doing physically or technically. You know, let's say I did portraiture photography. I could exist there for 10, 20 years and just do that until the end of time. But for me personally, I just don't feel satisfied. So I get to the mm -hmm. plateau and I think, what's next? What can I do? Yep. And so... Yeah, when I got into games, I was like, okay, I'm an art director. That's that's as far as you can go unless you're like global art director or something. Um, and the photography kind of threw me a kind of curveball where I thought, oh, wow, I can maybe I can try this. I tried that and I got to where I got to. And then I thought, okay, what can I do next? <laughs> I think it's just a, a constant, you know, pushing the goalposts. Like, uh, yeah, you always want to be evolving. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just think yeah, where it just gave me that second wind, where mm. I just didn't have it before, because I thought okay, I make games, I could sit, and it was something I thought about video games, where I was like, you know, I can, video games take a long time to make, and I think maybe people that listen don't really know exactly how many. When I was the games I was working on had like hundreds, thousands of people working every day, sometimes night, just to make a video game. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the end of that production, you finish it and people love it for like six months, a year. And then they ask where the next one is and you work on the next one. Yeah. And as a, an employee, you go on LinkedIn, you change, you update it and you change, or maybe you copy and paste the same title and you change the number and you click save and that's four <laughs> years of your life. Um, that's the reality of it. Yeah. And I think people don't really see that. And I think anything you can get in between that gives you that creativity is really helps you reflect 
I can think, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. So there are two questions that I like to ask mm-hmm. everyone I talk with. Um, although you're going to be the first person I've asked the second one. I, I want to, I've changed it. So you're going to okay. get the, you're going to be the test case on this. Sure. <clears throat> what medium or media other than your own would you like to play with? When I, I'm quite, I'm obviously very career driven. Yep. I think when I was in my bedroom playing Counter-Strike and World of Warcraft and stuff, and I would go on IMDb and I'd watch the top 250 movies because I was like, ah, oh, I need to do something better with my time. And then I got into games and I got into games and I was like, okay, that's cool. But then I did photography and I was like, okay, I'll try that. I think the medium I want to advance into is definitely filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, writing is just, it's not my thing. I really struggle with it. Mm. I could write screenplay, but it's just not. If it has a visual end, you could do it. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Like I, well, I can see, <laughs> I can think, yeah, I can think of, I have this idea for a script. Mm-hmm. I just can't write it. And I have the idea of the arc and I have the idea of the visuals and what the, you know, I'll probably end up storyboarding it. Sure. But I just cannot write for shit. So well, I think it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I want to work with what I know, but how do I involve it? So in terms of medium, yeah, like filmmaking is an obvious yeah. next step. So here's the, the test question. What's your greatest fear with your work? My greatest fear? That's a good question. When I think of back over the years, <clears throat> I think I used to, what am I most scared of? There's this feeling as a creative where you are making something and you feel like you're on the right path. And everything in your mind is telling you, now this is trash. You'll never do anything with this. Um, and it's like battling through that to can I get get it to to find that confidence. Um, the greatest fear I think for any creative is just relevancy or feeling like well at some point what at what point do you drop off and you're in your like flop era of like no one cares mm-hmm. we've seen it we don't care anymore. And I think that's that's a I think back to some of the creatives I follow musicians whatever. You release an amazing album, and everyone thinks that's that's the top tier. That's it. Mm-hmm. Think of like Lincoln Park, and I think of there's a video where they they go off to record a new album, uh, and they're so worried about what if it fails. And yeah. instead, you know, you still keep a core audience and whatnot. But I think, yeah, as a creative, it's just what can you do to keep going because you just want to make stuff. And I think. What I fear is like, what if no one ever, I don't know, doesn't see that spark again, I would say. So many thanks to Liam for his work, for the conversation, and for filling up my already filled streaming watch list with more things to watch. To order both Tokyo and After Dark, visit his website, liamwong.com, and be sure to follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Mastodon, and more at at liamwong. For more links, visit his Linktree page, linktr.ee slash Liam Wong. 
And as ever, if you'd like to shout, scream, swear, say hi, or otherwise at me, my email is TWW at parentheticalrecluse.com. You can check out earlier episodes of the show at parentheticalrecluse.com slash TSRpod. And if you've enjoyed this and those, subscribe via RSS, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred podcast delivery system. If you'd like to check out what I'm working on, thinking about my weird drawings of things, or especially dog pictures, subscribing to my weekly newsletter, Macro Parentheticals, is the best way to do just that. Parentheticalrecluse.com slash letter. And now in our post-Twitter era, you can follow me on Mastodon at TWW at social.parentheticalrecluse.com. Theme music is Intersections by my good friend, the one and only, Uziel Colon. See you next time.